Hello, everyone. I am so looking forward to the completion of this episode because we've been covering organized crime, sex, and religion for a lengthy amount of time. And this is the last hurrah of those subjects for two months. The two-month break eventually starts May 6th, which is today, after it's published, of course, episode, and it will end July 6th. Now, all the specific things regarding the trauma of my five-year-old life that started with organized crime and religion and all of the diabolical sexualization that was occurring at that time will be completed in terms of narration and storytelling both by me and all the specific traumas and how I overcame all the specific traumas relating to sex, religion, organized crime is fully told in this episode and when I talk about those subjects in the future I'll be speaking Overall, generally, I will not be speaking from the five-year-old me standpoint anymore. So, let us begin. First, I'm going to start sexually. I have thought more about my future wholesome porn career in terms of ethical pornography, as you already heard me say, let me give you more information so you can get new out of the old, as I always say, meaning new details out of old information, basically turning it into new information. So you won't think I'm unnecessarily repeating myself. Let's be blunt and straightforward to the point. Points, I should say. I have decided that I could not find any porn company that would allow me to be paid every time there are clicks and views from consumers, also known as customers, each time on their websites. And I figured out that I refuse to be a victim of economic terrorism when it comes to any path of life that I embark on, including adult filmography. So I decided that I wanted to be a 100% independent contractor in ethical porn. I want to write everything 
narrate everything, edit everything, publish everything, produce everything, be a pornographer and everything, market everything, distribute everything, and perform and everything in terms of all of my triple X cinematography. That doesn't mean that I won't work with other like-minded, high-quality human beings in terms of inner living. However, it made me think more in depth about my... own acknowledgement of there's no company that can there's no company in porn that can understand me they can't comprehend me you know that's redundant but it's the truth the way they do things is completely different to how I would do things. So no diss to those companies. But I feel that every time there is a click and a view on a porn company's website, that means all the porn directors should be paid each time that happens. All the writers should be paid each time that happens. All the camera person should be paid each time that happens. All the sound technicians should be paid every time that happens. All the production assistants should be paid every time that happens. All the still photographers should be paid every time that happens. Fluffers should be paid every time that happens. The makeup artists should be paid every time that happens. Um, The manager should be paid every time that happens. The film crew should be paid every time that happens. The photographers should be paid every time that happens. The um, website developers should be paid every time that happens. The webmasters should be paid every time that happens. The sales personnel should be paid every time that happens. The book and magazine writers and editors should be paid every time that happens. Those who create the business model should be paid every time that happens. Those negotiating trade should be paid every time that happens. Those making press releases should be paid every time that happens. Those who draw contracts with other owners should be paid every time that happens. Those who buy and sell content should be paid every time that happens. Those who offer Technical support should be paid every time that happens. Those who run servers should be paid every time that happens. Those who are doing the billing services and payroll should be paid every time that happens. Those who do the organizing trade shows and various events should be paid every time that happens. Those who do the marketing and sales forecast should be paid every time that happens. Those who do the provision of human resources should be paid every time that happens. Those who provide Tax services and legal support should be paid every time that happens. Those in management and staff who do not have direct dealings with the porn performer should be paid every time that happens. Those who are the those who are the hired photographers 
who have direct contact with the porn performers should be paid every time that happens. Those who are the intimacy coordinators, the intimacy choreographers, the sexologists, the sexual surrogates, the sex coaches, the sexual trauma experts and the sex counselors they all should be paid every time that happens what does every time that happens means once again every time there's a click in a view on a porn website all these people who formulate the entire porn industry staff including the porn performers they all should be paid all the time when it comes to every click and every view. That is what I know to be true because everyone in the porn company matters. The ones having the camera sex and the ones who are making the camera sex look as good as it possibly can. Those who are behind the scenes including the executive leadership and the higher-ups. Everybody should be paid every time there's a click and a view on a porn company's website. And I also would say that I thought about this even deeper with more profundity. I said to myself, okay, it is true, like I said in episodes prior, previously, in this one, that some ethical porn videos do show up in mainstream porn company websites. I know. I've checked it out. And I said to myself, how would I handle that professionally, legally, and financially? I said, well, I can always say, hey, if you're going to have my my products and my services, if you will, referring to the film site, adult films I'd be doing, on your websites, I would request that I get a percentage of the income y'all make. I said, this is my material. And I don't mind it being on your website as long as you feature it properly, meaning that you make it clear to your fans, who also be my fans, that my businesses, like my independent contracting with porn, we have human rights traditions, human rights policies, human rights ideas, human rights practices, human rights laws, because we're a human rights institution, even though we are are an adult videography entity. So that's one. Two, I would say, well, I want a percentage that is close to y'all. So let's say they make about f- 
they make about 50%. We want the other 50%. Or if they make about 60%, we want something mightily close to the 60%. Because, or wait a minute, I'm trying to think. Because 50 plus 50 is 100. So if they get 60%, we would want at least the 40%. Because it's their platform. But if they feature their ethical videos on our platform, we would be 60 and they would be 40. Okay. That makes more sense mathematically speaking. Got it. So that's something I would talk to those other companies about. Like, um, I don't mind. I'll pay you. You pay me. I think that's fair. Because no one's getting paid in terms of one group. That means each side is making money. I would say that to all the mainstream sites, just, I don't mind featuring me, me and the other people I'm working with, and we're all working together in terms of healthy pornography, but we all have to make a a living of wholeness, so we pay up and we, we're good to go. And as long as our business models are similar and congruent with human rights, we're really great to go. So that'd be number two. Number three, I would say, I would strike up a deal with them. I said, okay. I would say to them lately, there has been for years, I would say, especially lately, Prom performers want more money. So in order for them to keep working with us, I'll pay your entire porn crew each time a click and view is on my website. That way, when when mine is on your website... My porn crew gets paid every click and view. To me, that's fair because that also means that the company with the performers and the entire porn crew makes money on their part. And it also happens on my part. I think that is solid business because that means that, wow, we feel better about our future and there are even people in porn crews who want to be entrepreneurs and do their own thing. That means that more entrepreneur-minded people and people who are not entrepreneur-minded are just, hey, I just I just love to be involved in the sex industry and make a legal living. Cool. That means that attracts more people business-wise. So I call it porn. It's called porn, porn entrepreneur. That's me. Because... Attracting more people that way means more work can be handed out. That suits 
the people that we want to have as models. Um, and models, not all of them are women, of course. You got men models, you got non-binary adult models too. I would also say that there shouldn't be a one-time payment and the company gets royalties, but it doesn't trickle down to the performers and not truly the rest of the porn crews. I've always found that to be severely problematic because people in the sex industry are deserve their labor rights and workers' rights, their right to health, their right to work, their right to housing, to be honored, just like non-sex workers. Um, and some people say, what do you mean when you say that the, the, there's no porn company that can fully comprehend you? Well... I would say that my sense of business is much different than theirs. My emphasis on human rights is not found in those other companies. Some, they, they, it's not, I emphasize human rights the most and they don't. They emphasize sex, 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 I emphasize human rights, human rights, human rights, human rights. That's my thing. So don't get me wrong. I have sex as a major part of the business model, but the major part of my business model is human rights. That way we have human rights-based sex, meaning nobody is decimated, nobody is degraded. That's the thing that I'm most fixated on while the other porn companies, not so much. There are plenty of porn companies that treat people well and everybody's treated well for all the right reasons in that world. It's just that my emphasis is what I emphasize the most is not what they emphasize. What they emphasize the most, I emphasize the least. What I emphasize the least, I emphasize the most. For example, I emphasize human rights the most, I emphasize sex the most. Um, I emphasize sex, I emphasize the least, um, fantasy and they emphasize fantasy the most and they emphasize fantasy the most too wow that's the least for me that's the most for them and sex is the least for me sex is the least I emphasize they emphasize human rights the least I emphasize human rights the most they emphasize sex the most I emphasize sex the least They emphasize fantasy the most, emphasize fantasy the least. So my most are their least, and their least are my most. M-O-S-T-S-L-E-A-S-T-S. And that makes me more understanding why I would rather produce my own, uh, adult video content because the way I do it 
It also includes everybody having all the income streams that makes a person a millionaire. For example, if I were to be an independent contractor, point which I would love to be, for example, I would make sure that everyone experiences earned income, capital gains, interest income, dividend income, rental income, business income, and uh, royalty and royalties. You know, diversification, active and passive income streams too, like royalties, you know, that that's important to me. You know, income from jobs slash side hustles, um, investments, investment portfolios. That would be important to me. And um, I do acknowledge that also one more thing is that I would want my own entity, if you want to call it that, a porn to have types of insurances because um, the whole staff are people, right? So, for example, I, I, I mandate that everyone has auto insurance, health insurance, travel insurance, whole life insurance, income protection insurance, universal life insurance, marine insurance, uh, property insurance, life insurance, umbrella insurance, disability insurance, pet insurance, long-term care insurance, Variable universal life insurance, comprehensive coverage, workers' comp- com- workers' compensation insurance, critical illness insurance, business interruption insurance, flood insurance, renters insurance, general insurance, term life insurance, and home insurance. Um, and and annu- annuities, and Medicare. Um, health and you know health insurance you know like I said health insurance and um, that matters to me homeowners insurance that matters to me um, identity protection and landlord insurance motorcycle insurance. Condo insurance, event insurance, uh, roadside, you know, roadside assistance, all of that matters to me. RV insurance, that too. I wouldn't just want them, okay, we work together, I want to make sure that you're well protected. And if I was a porn company, this is what I would do. Um, I also would make sure that there's power insurance. 
you know, electrical insurance, those that type of thing. That matters to me. And that everybody has their own anonymities. That would I would make sure that's paid for for everybody. Uh, contents insurance, boat insurance, car insurance, caravan insurance. I would want that to be a part of my entity. Uh, ooh. Medical identity insurance, consumer credit insurance, lenders mortgage insurance, strata insurance, personal items insurance, sports insurance, bicycle insurance, motorbikes and scooters insurance, liability insurance, boat insurance, travel insurance, contents insurance, landlord renters insurance. I want I would want to have all these insurances. Um, and I would also make it clear if you want to retire or be semi-retired from you know, working with me in terms of porn, that you will always be compensated by us, even though you're no longer working with us in terms of porn, we'll, I'll still make sure, hey, just in, you know, just in case if the job world is phobic towards sex workers, just in case, you know, you still want to make sure that you have regular income, you always get it from us. That would be me. I would always say if whether you continue working with us or you stop or sometimes work with us, sometimes you don't, we'll always pay you. That way you don't have to worry about um, anything. Like, even if the job world treats you well, we still want to pay you. Because we feel like, well, you're one of us. And we appreciate you. So even though you're not working with us, we want to help you take care of your basic human needs. That way you can not worry about how you'll be treated. Because you're like, well, I got regular money, so I'm set for life. And that's the objective. And... um I want to make it clear. Um, I am against human trafficking. I am against sex trafficking. I am against pedophilia. I am against incest. I am against bestiality. I am against dehumanization. I am against desensitization. I am against exploitation. I have a soft spot in my heart for those who suffer from sexual dysfunction, and I am sensitized to healthy sexual relationships on and off camera. I am a member of the anti-rape movement, and yes, I am a member of the anti-pedophile movement. That has to be made clear. Because it's easy to hear the word porn and think all these harmful effects on society and blame me. No, I don't cause any of these issues to occur. So, I thought a lot about this. As you can tell, and I say that because 
a lot of people don't think of sex workers in these ways, but I do. And me being a future sex worker is never rooted in trauma complexes. Antonio is who Antonio fully is. With or without the organized crime, with or without the dysfunctional biological relatives, with or without all the mayhem that life happened against me at five brought me. So I say and do nothing out of trauma complexes. I say and do everything out of humble victor complexes, meaning all of my expressions are rooted in gracious gratitude. So without further delay, let's get more graphic about the sex part since we first started talking about sex. So as you all know, I am pansexual, omnisexual. So let's talk about the gay sex part of my sex life. Then we'll get to the heterosexual sex part of my sex life. And then we'll get to the non-binary adult sex part of my life. When I say heterosexual, I'm talking about my sex life, which includes women. When I say gay sex, I'm talking about my sex life that includes men. Here we go. I am a top. Because... I am usually the one who penetrates. That's true for me sometimes. Um, Other times, I am a bottom. Because usually, I'm the one receiving penetration. Sometimes. And I'm a versatile, meaning that I am someone who engages in being a top and being a bottom. So I do either or both roles. I do either or and I do both and I would say I'm more of a versatile than a top or a bottom okay so my being a top is is my formally doing the insertive sex role and My being a bottom is known to me formally as my receptive sex role. So I do the insertive sex role and I do the receptive sex role. Um, as you all know, the terms top and bottom do not refer to literal physical position during sex. Um, I know that... Um, I know that some of my male men sex partners may not engage in anal sex for various reasons. So I am um, a side when it comes to them. 
and when in reference to them when it comes to me. That means that we enjoy outer course as side men to one another. I understand that there are diversified sexual demonstrations. There's more than one erotic expression, so to speak. And for those that don't know what outer course means, it's non-penetrative sex. Um, it, 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 it can include fraudage, Mutual masturbation, kissing, cuddling. It could be even oral sex. It could also be foreplay. Now, I may repeat myself, but that's fine, because this is what education is about. Again, I am a top, which usually means that I engage in a penetrative role during sexual activity, because I am a man who has sex with men, so I'm an MSM. Sometimes. I'm also, you can also say that that often involves my penetration using my penis during anal sex and even oral sex. As it has already been stated, top is also used as a verb meaning to penetrate another, which I do sometimes. And top may also describe a broader personal identity involving dominance and romantic or sexual relationship. Which I can say that the dominance is not about brutality. It's about mutuality. It says, however, this stipulation is not a requisite element of being the top, which is true. It's more about inner life sharing and bodily sharing. With regard to gay male sexuality, meaning that for some of my men partners, we both like me being the total top, which is, I assume, an exclusively penetrative role for sex when it comes to those certain sexual encounters. And for other um, sex encounters with men I have, um, I am I'm a power top because 
I am noted for my great skill and primal aggressiveness in topping. Now, that is not sexual violence. It means that I have phenomenal stamina and I'm in tip-top, top-notch shape. And some other uh, sexual relationships that include men. I am a service top, meaning I am one who tops under the direction of an eager bottom. Because some of my partners like, I want you to sexually lead. Then, in some other men's sexual relationships of mine, I am a versatile top. Which means that I prefer to top, but occasionally... I bottoms. And I'll say this. I am a penetrative partner. And I'm a giver, which are synonyms of top. Credit to describe my act of penetrating without implying non-egalitarian relations among myself as a participant and themselves as my co-participants. And yes, my outer course does include uh Teabagging, if you will. And yes, we do engage in sex toy play. So. Let's talk about it more. Because I've talked so much about my life with women sexually. I am... For the first time, speaking more about my life with men sexually without any kind of trepidation this time. The trepidation was there because of how I was socialized sexually as a man. And now that trepidation is deceased, metaphorically speaking. So... Like I said, I'm a bottom, too. I'm also a bottom. I, in some male sexual relationships, male meaning men, I'm usually the receptive partner during sexual penetration. This frequently refers to myself, who is penetrated via my anus during anal sex. And
and bottom in terms of how I use the word is a verb meaning my being penetrated by another anally and orally. So yes, I'm an oral penetrator and I'm orally penetrated. I'm an anal penetrator and I'm anally penetrated. Okay, my being a bottom does describe one of my social contexts, which is healthy submission, not autocracy, but this is within a healthy romantic relationship, a healthy sexual relationship. I could be lovey-dovey when I'm casual, you know, turns casual sex. Um, this element does not apply to all people for the bottom, but it does apply to, 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 to me, that I can say. Um, for example, a power bottom like me is referred to me who takes a more dominant role, which I do while my being the receptive partner and in gay male sexuality that I live out a total bottom like me means that I am someone who exclusively who 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 assumes an exclusively receptive role during anal intercourse and our out anal intercourse and oral intercourse so I'm a total total bottom when it comes to some of my sexual men relationships. Um, I'm also a versatile bottom because I'm one who prefers to bottom, but I do top occasionally in terms of some of my men sexual relationships. So the terms receiver, which I am, and receptive partner, which I am, is preferred by some, which includes me. I prefer both terms. And I am an oral bottom, which means that I am the exclusively receptive partner in oral sex in some of my relationships with men, which are sexual, providing the penetrative, providing the penetrative partner or oral top, which makes me both with unreciprocated fellatio and eramatio, right? So I'm an oral top, I'm an oral bottom. So there are times where basically I do all of the deep throating and blowjobbing. And there are times where they do all the deep throating and all the blowjobbing. But I'm an oral versatile, primarily, meaning we both and all parties involved, we all do the deep throating and the blowjobbing. Which means usually, for the most part, there's reciprocated fellatio and reciprocated irumatio. 
So for the most part, I am a versatile. When it comes to fellatio, arimatio, and anal sex. So I'm an anal versatile, I'm an oral versatile, and I'm irimatio versatile. I am a service bottom because I am one who who bottoms under the direction of an eager top. I am a Versatile bottom. Which means that I prefer to bottom, but I do top occasionally. Sometimes I'm a total bottom which means in some of my male sex relationships I assume exclusively penetrated role for sex so I can be an eager top to I'm an excited bottom because I handle the great skill and primal aggressiveness of those topping me with with glee. Okay, as you know, I'm a versatile. I'm a verse, V-E-R-S, which means that I am a person who enjoys both topping and bottoming, and I do alternate between the two in sexual situations frequently. Meaning that I do flip-flop. I also do flip-fuck, which are synonyms for the same reality sexually which commonly describes my and their switching from top to bottom during our sexual encounters as men and we penetrate each other and we are penetrated by each other while we take turns I'm a versatile top and a versatile bottom. And they are versatile tops, versatile bottoms. And we're both versatile tops, versatile bottoms together.
and we engage in lovely coordination, meaningful curiosity, electrifying creativity, and fabulous playfulness. It's exhilarating because it's liberating. And we rejoice in our equalness. We are wholesomely fucking each other. And we are wholesomely sucking each other. We speak each other's languages. We speak each other's love languages and lust languages. And yes, We're also sides, right? The term side was coined in 2013 in an article by psychotherapist sexologist Joe Kurt. Because in some of my sex relationships, there may not be a mutual interest in anal sex. Well, I'm, a, I'm usually the one interested. I can't always say the same for them. So instead of anal sex, I'm like, okay, we kiss instead, we hug instead, we engage in oral sex instead, we do rimming instead, we do mutual masturbation instead, and we're rubbing up and down on each other instead. And we enjoy practically every sexual practice aside from anal penetration of any kind. That's for some of my men's sex relationships that don't include anal sex. And And those are some of the sexual activities that we mutually enjoy. Um, For example, we take turns being inserting partners that we lie on our backs and while we take turns being a receptive partner, we straddle each other Therefore, we take turns being the inserting partner, which is still considered the top, and we take turns being the receptive partner, which is the bottom, despite our reverse physical arrangement. And the terms top, bottom, versatile do not necessarily refer literally, literally to physical position during sex, okay? Other terms for top and bottom uh, include active and passive and pitcher and catcher. So I'm a catcher. I'm a pitcher, I'm passive and active, and they're active, passive pitchers and catchers too. Uh, the intended meanings of active versus passive in reference to oral sex can be unclear, however. Um, for me, active and passive means, active means um, you could be actively passive and passively active. Like, what I mean is, you, you have, you lead, you take, you lead, I lead. I'm under your leadership, you're under my leadership. And we both do it assertively, not passive aggressively. And switch is sometimes used for versatile. So sometimes, so usually I'm a switch. I can't always say the same for them, but usually I'm the one that's the switch. 
Um, in the hanky code, a person flagging the top or active roll would wear the hanky in the left pocket in the bottom or passive roll in the right. I've never done that before. But I look forward to doing that in the future. I just learned that on I just learned that by you know seeing this. Wow. Then it says acts which were not divisible into dis- indistinct roles, however, such as sixty nine or anything in quotations follow a pattern which one flagged interest by wearing the hanky on the left and absence of interest by wearing on the right. In purposes that did not relate to sexual mechanics such as uniform fetishism or prostitution, which I would wouldn't mind doing ethically and legally in decriminalized areas, followed a pattern in which the seeker flagged on the right and the object of desire flagged on the left. Ooh, I now have more of a cultural sexual sensitivity that I'm going to store in my memory bank. Okay, now in cultures that are friendly to LGBTQ plus people, I have more of a sexual geniusness to display. And that means that I can express enthusiastic consent in more than one fun-filled way. This is motherfucking fantastic. Then it says, the cowboy position is anal sex, which the bottom shadows the top. Sometimes that's me, sometimes that's them. We are into central reciprocity. Then it says, the position is offside as being advantageous for bottoms who are new to anal sex, as it allows the receiving partner to lower himself and others' penis at their own pace. Ooh. Okay. That's going to be another reality for me in the future, because, um... Rookies and veterans... Cooperation of the shape-shifting nature has a nurturing nakedness in and of itself. Mm. This is phenomenal. And no, we don't give into labels, stereotypes, generalizations that are offensive to gay male sexuality. And yes, we do do 69. Enough said on that. <laughs> it clear that as a future independent contractor for porn 
that I and my team are fully sensitized to substantive human rights, procedural rights, substantive equality, equality before the law, freedom from arbitrary arrest and detention, freedom of assembly, freedom of association, cruel, inhuman, or degrading treatment or punishment, freedom from discrimination, freedom of information, freedom of movement, freedom of religion, freedom from religion, freedom from slavery, freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom from you know torture, legal aid, LGBTQ plus rights, liberty, nationality, personhood, presumption, innocence, right of asylum, right to die, right to a fair trial, right to family life, right to keep and bear arms, gun control, right to life um, without antagonizing uh, the pro-choice movement and um, right to petition, right to privacy, right to protest, right to embrace medical treatment, right to refuse medical treatment, right to resist, right of self-defense, right to truth, security of person, suffrage, right to homeland, um, right to work, right to water, right to social security, right to science and culture, right of return, right to rest and leisure, right of reply, right to public participation, right to property, right to internet access, right to housing, right to the environment, Right to health, right to food, right to education, right to development, right to clothing, right to an adequate standard of living, labor rights, fair remuneration, equal pay for equal work, digital rights, right to sexuality, sexual and reproductive health and rights, intersex human rights, freedom from involuntary genital mutilation and modification, and family planning and abortion. So these are all the things that we take liberal and progressive views on all of these subjects. And these are all also values that matter in myself and my team. Um, so we, we also take human rights views on all these things. And um, I feel like it's important for me to say that because um, people know that when it comes to human rights issues, I tend to take the um, Green Party libertarian views on all these subjects too. Um, So um, I'm left-winging all of these subjects because I'm a left-winger. And of course, we hate crimes against humanity, genocide, war crimes. And um, that's important to us because you can't have an entity without human rights and you can't have human rights without entities. So let's get even further. Um, I'm a top, bottom, and switch when it comes to the world of BDSM, which stands for Bondage, discipline, dominance, and submission, sadomasochism. Now, there is no sexual violence and no physical violence, no emotional violence, and no bodily harm when it comes to my and them being tops, bottoms, and switches, okay? So no laws are being broken and no human rights are being violated. Let's keep going. The terms top, bottom, and switch are used to describe roles for the duration of a sexual act or they may more broadly denote a psychological, social, or sexual identity or indicate one's usual preference. The terms top, bottom, and switch are also used in BDSM with slightly different meanings. So these are all self-explanatory. All I gotta do is just keep reading it to you. 
In BDSM, a top is the person doing something to someone else. So that would be me. So in BDSM, I as the top, I'm the person doing some things to someone else and others. So I'm the top. I'm the BDSM top. I'm also the BDSM bottom because, and a bottom is the person receiving that act. So I'm the bottom receiving the acts of the tops. In both contexts, the terms top when it comes to me and bottom when it comes to me first to my active roles and my passive roles not to who is physically on top in a particular sexual act even though sometimes i'm physically on top sometimes i'm physically on the bottom when it comes to these sexual acts to some extent the older term versatile is sometimes used instead of switch so i'm usually a bdsm switch meaning i'm i'm normally a bdsm versatile So, let's get to the point. In BDSM, sometimes I'm the top, meaning either I as a dominant, meaning I as a dominant partner in BDS play, meaning I'm the one flogging, I'm the one binding, I'm the one being master, I'm the one doing the erotic humiliation. I'm the one conducting the sexual plays. I'm the one tying up. I'm the one making others made to serve. I'm the one whooping. I'm the one spanking. And I'm the one initiating each and every sexual act and sexual position and sexual role play. And the this is all in the name of enthusiastic consent, enthusiastic equality, enthusiastic respect, enthusiastic trust, and enthusiastic safety. Right? And I'm also the partner who applies stimulation to another and the others. And I may be dominant. It says, now topping from the bottom, which I do, is a related BDSM term, meaning I simultaneously adopt the role of bottom and dom. So a service top, meaning me, means that I'm a person who applies sensation and control to the bottoms. But I do so at the bo- at my bottoms. This is explicit instructions. That's me sometimes. So, sometimes I'm the bottom. In BDSM, my being the bottom means that I'm the submissive partner in sexual play, such as I'm being flogged, I'm being tied, I'm being erotically humiliated, I'm being made to serve, I'm being whooped, I'm being spanked, I'm being mastered, and I'm the one submitting to the sexual plays. And I am a I am a partner that receives stimulation from another and others, and I may be submissive. Sometimes I may be dominant. Sometimes I may not be dominant. Sometimes I may be submissive. Sometimes I may not be submissive. 
a Bodman BDSM. does not have to be the submissive. For example, I as the dominant may command my submissives to do sexual things to me and say sexual statements to me. So, usually I'm the switch. I am someone who participates in BDSM activities, which means sometimes I'm a top, and other times I'm a bottom. And in the cases of my dominance and my submission, sometimes I'm a dominant, other times I'm a submissive. This is sometimes referred to as my being versatile. I'm the sadist and I'm the masochist. The term sadism and masochism means I am giving and receiving of emotional and mental pain in the context of sexual role play. Again, there is no torment going on at all. There's nothing that we say and do that makes us have to be sent to a therapist's office couch, nor law enforcement police precincts, okay? Those like myself who take the superior position in dominance and submission scenes and relationships are called dominance, doms or doms feminine so that's all me I'm a I'm, I'm a dom d-o-m I'm a d-o-m-m-e I'm also a dominant while those who take subordinate position which is me are called submissives and subs so I'm, I'm those things too I'm a submissive and I'm a sub so a top like me fills the dominant role is not necessarily a dominant all the time. And vice versa. And even though I feel the bottom role, I'm not necessarily submissive all the time. Similarly, many other labels exist for both dominance and submissives, which I am. I'm a, I'm a dominant and I'm a submissive, such as master slash slave or caregiver slash little. Sometimes I'm the master, sometimes I'm the slave, sometimes I'm the caregiver, sometimes I'm the little. Um, we're, we're not making fun of the Atlantic slave trade. We're not making fun of the Holocaust and we're not making fun of the brutality against Native Americans. We're not making fun of sexual slavery. Um, we're not making fun of phobias against people from the Middle East. Um, We're not making fun of Asian people. We're not making fun of the continent of Africa. 
Um, we're not making fun of the history of indentured servitude, globally speaking. And we're not making fun of any kind of inhumanity against groups of people at all. Um, that's not what BDSM is about. Then it says, the main difference between a dominant like me and a top like me is that the dominant exhibits control within a power exchange dynamic, which I do sometimes, while a top like me exhibits control within a scene sometimes. A top like me is dominant sometimes, and a top like me is not dominant at other times. Then it says, The main difference between a submissive like me and a bottom like me is that a submissive seats power in a power exchange dynamic, which I do sometimes. A bottom like me may be submissive, sometimes may not be submissive other times, as power exchange does not have to be a component of my kinky play. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Many distinguish top slash bottom from dominant slash submissive by seeing top slash bottom as an expression of physical power, which is true for me sometimes, while dominant slash submissive is an expression of psychological power, which is true for me sometimes. So yes, I'm a dominant submissive. So I'm a dominant, I'm a submissive. So I'm a top bottom. So sometimes I'm a top, sometimes I'm a bottom. In both types of relationships, top slash bottom me sometimes, and dominant slash mission, me sometimes. So there's, again, enthusiastic consent, enthusiastic negotiations without compromising genuine principles, and mutual respect and support for one another, which is true for me, and self-respect and self-support, self-enthusiastic consent and self-enthusiastic negotiations. These are all key to our healthy dynamics. Beginning the 1970s in American context, people identified their interests by wearing a set of keys on the side of their belt or a color-coded handkerchief in their rear pockets, which I'm open to doing depending upon the BDSM environment and BDSM community I'm a part of. Some portions and parts of it do that, and I'll join with them in doing that. This practice called flagging began the gay male subculture. Wow, I'm a future flagger. Okay, so... I noticed that in some sexual role play, and I say this in the name of, again, mutual respect and self-respect, I don't mind being yelled at or doing the yelling or being cussed at or doing the cursing at or being name called or doing the name calling. I'm open to doing all the above. Now, I'm a top, bottom, and switch. Versatile, topping from the bottom, dominant submissive. In my homosexual relationships, my heterosexual relationships, and my outside of the gender binary relationships, non-binary relationships. I just wanted to clarify these things.
so I want to make it clear that I do have a sex life with women. I am the most attracted to women. So now let's discuss my heterosexuality. So in my sex life with women, there's foreplay, there's non-penetrative sex, there's erotic massages rubbing all over with oil and without oil, depending upon how we feel. There's dry humping, frottage while clothed. This act is common, though not essential, in a dance style known as grinding. So... We do grinding and dry humping. We do foot jobs, stimulating genitals with the feet. Hand jobs, they stimulate my penis with their hands. And we stimulate each other's genitals with our feet. So... Myself and women, we do aromatio. It's a form of oral sex where I thrust my penis into their mouths. In contrast to fellatio, where my penis is being actively orally excited by the women fellators, which does happen. Aromatio can also refer to intercrural sex, interfemoral sex type of aromation where I place a phallic object or my penis between my women partner's thighs and their time, you know, all these things do happen. There's intergluteal sex where I place a phallic object or my penis into my women partner's buttock cleavage and their gluteal clefts. We do mammary intercourse where I rub a phallic object or my penis between my women partners' breasts. Um, there is stimulation of nipples when it comes to when it comes to myself and women. We stimulate each other's nipples, usually orally, as well as manually. Um, we do samata. Uh, the type of stimulation of my genitals, popular Japanese brothels, the women give me the stimulation of my genitals, where my women partners rub my penis with their hands, their thighs, and their labia majora. Um, sometimes I have group sex that includes women so there's tribalism involved with a vulva rubbing commonly known by a scissoring position and to briefly revisit the gay part of my life in my sex life with men there's fraught meaning penis penis rubbing and let's get back to women in my sex life with women there is mutual fingering stimulating the vagina with my fingers and we stimulate each other's anus with our fingers. We stimulate each other's anuses with our fingers. Then there's mutual oral sex. The stimulation of our genitalia by the usages of our mouths, our lips, our tongues, our teeth, and our throats. 
there is mutual masturbation. We, myself and women, we stimulate each other and ourselves sexually, usually with our hands. We do engage in autoeroticism. We do engage in penetrative sex. We do have full-blown sexual intercourse. There is... We do anal sex. It's my penetration of their anuses with my penis for sexual stimulation. There are some women that are open to that and they like it when I do that to them. And so do I. And we do oral sex. So so we do mutual analingus, oral stimulation of our anuses and our perineums. I perform cunnilingus. My oral stimulation of women's is clitorises, vulvas, and vaginas. Now, they do fellatio on me. It their oral stimulation of my penis. So they deep throat me, they blow job me. And some people call it fellation, some people call it blow job, some people call it BJ, some people call it giving head, some people call it sucking off, some people call it dick sucking. I'm just telling you what people call it. Then there are other people when it comes to um, cunnilingus. Some call it eating out. Some people call it eating pussy. I'm just telling you what some how some people refer to it. I'm not saying those terms just to say it. I'm just being honest about the fact that this is the kind of world we live in. And so people have, people use sexual slang or sexual references, some direct or indirect, but it's appropriate for me to tell you this is how it is. And of course, in my sex life with women, there's, um, there's masturbation, there's anal masturbation, there's fisting, meaning involves inserting our my hands into their vagina and their rectums and it involves them inserting their hands into my rectum then we do use sex toys of course I perform facials on women it's when I ejaculate my semen onto their faces we do have group sex group sex is a sexual behavior Involving more than two participants. So my group sex usually includes women. So we do conventional sex, colloquially known as vanilla sex, a sexual behavior that is within the range of normality for a culture or subculture typically involves sex, which does not include elements of BDSM, kink, or fetishism. We do sexual role-playing, myself and women. Sexual roleplay is roleplay that has a strong erotic element. It may involve two or more people who act out roles in order to bring to life a sexual fantasy. It may be a form of foreplay and be sexually arousing. That's what we do. We do bondage and discipline, dominance and submission. 
we do erotic humiliation. We do sadism and masochism and sadomasochism. We do sexual fetishism and erotic fetishism. We do we utilize BDSM equipment. We utilize bondage positions within bondage and BDSM. We do we do erotic spankings. Um, we use sexual slang. So quick, real quick in my uh, sex life with men, we do circle jerks. Um, In my sex life with women, there's teabagging, which is a slang term for the sexual act involving someone placing their scrotum in the mouth of their sexual partner for sexual pleasure. So women are teabagging me. Um, women are snowballing me. I have quickies with women. We engage in pompor. Pompor is a sexual technique in which the, my women partners use their vaginal muscles to stimulate my penis. And in my sex life with women, it's when both partners remain still us, while the women stroke my erection using rhythmic rippling pulses of their uh pubosocygeous muscles. So this practice best performed in their woman on top position in reference to me. Um, we do cyber sex, computer sex, internet sex, net sex, cyber, or cybering. It's a virtual sex encounter which two or more people have long distance sex. So that's me and women sometimes. Cum shots. So my cum shots is a depiction of my ejaculation, especially onto women. Um, cream pie, which I do sometimes, human sexual act, commonly featuring article pornography, which, which I ejaculate inside the vagina. And anus without the use of a condom is often invisible seeping or dripping and semen from the vagina. Resulting invisible seeping or dripping of semen from the vagina or anus. Well, only do that to very tiny amounts of women. The ones that we trust each other and at the same time we keep each other from having unwanted pregnancies and, um, unwanted children, unwanted diseases. So we do that. Extremely few and far between. We do bouquets. Bouquet is sex act which I ejaculate onto multiple participants. I do. I usually do that to a woman, with other people there. Bareback. 
Um, sex penetration needs some condom. Hmm. Let me explain bareback and um, cream pies. The only way I would do those things is if we have other birth control methods because condoms may not work for every partner, but other birth control methods do. So as long as we utilize all the other birth control methods, we should be good. So we do the Venus butterfly, snowballing, Get myself and women. Um, it's basically the one hour orgasm variation. That's what the Venus butterfly is. Myself, let me do the we do the backdoor vaginal sex positions. We do spooning, we do the one on top position, we do the what's called the doggy style position, we do the missionary positions. Oh, and as for the non binary adults. Pretty much all the sex acts and sex positions I do with men and women, I do them all with non-binary adults. Um, And let's say this, okay, to be responsible. Healthy sex requires that these five basic conditions be met. Consent, equality, respect, trust, and safety, as I said earlier. Let's look at each of these conditions more closely. So... My sex life is filled with enthusiastic consent, meaning that we all freely and comfortably choose whether or not to engage in sexual activity. We are able to stop the activities at any time during the sexual context. There's enthusiastic quality, meaning that our senses of our personal powers are on gleeful, equal levels with each other. No one abusively dominates the other. Then there's enthusiastic respect on our part, meaning we all have positive regard for ourselves and for each other. We feel all parties involved feel respected by one another. Then we have enthusiastic trust, meaning we gleefully trust each other on physical and emotional levels. We all have reciprocated acceptance of vulnerability and ability to respond to it with full sensitivity. And we also have safety, meaning that we all feel safe and secure within our sexual settings. We're comfortable with and assertive about where, when, and how their sexual activities take takes place. We feel safe from the possibility of harm such as unwanted pregnancies, like I said earlier, sexually transmitted infections, sexually transmitted diseases, physical injuries, like we said earlier. And we don't give each other sexual regret regrets at all. 
So that's what we do. I knew it was important for me to actually say that. And the sex we have is delicious, highly pleasant to the taste, mouth-watering, appetizing, tasty, flavorsome, flavorful, delectable, toothsome, inviting, uh, luscious, rich, um, succulent of food, tender, juicy, and tasty, uh, moist, uh, savory, piquant, Ab- ambrosial, ambrosian, nectarious, uh, nectarian flavorous, sapid, very enjoyable, and very palatable. And so the sex is containing much sugar. Sex games. Um, there's desserts, there's foods, there's meals, there's appetizers, there's cuisines, there's buffets, there's syrups, there's liquids, there's snacks. So basically, we're sexual, energetic, kinky, shape shifting, and sensual. We have unconventional sex, even rough sex. No sexual violence, though. We have slow sex, romantic sex. We make love. We have sex. We fuck. That's my life with women. It's that sweet. There's more. It does have a distinct flavor. It meaning the sex. It does stimulate our appetites. It is enticing and alluring and alluring. say is before I go to religion that our sex is delightful, exquisite, delectable lovely and pleasurable because that's how we feel about each other as individuals finally deal with the subject of religion the six stages of scriptural development many Christians accept without reservation that 
what they read in the Bible is the literal truth just as, if not more accurate than a news report in their local newspaper. That is a profound approach to faith-based matters. I love the analogy because newspapers and Bibles are both old school forms of media publications. And it says, this is nonsense. It is instructive to examine the six stages that were needed to deliver the story to contemporary Christians. So again, it says, many Christians accept without reservation that what, that what all they read in the Bible is literal truth, just as if not more accurate than a news report in a local newspaper. This is nonsense. It is instructive to examine the six stages that were needed to deliver the story to contemporary Christians. So, some people would be more politically incorrect and say nonsense means bullshit. Um, other politically incorrect people would say this is fucked up. And other people would say that this is ass backwards. It says, number one, the eyewitnesses. Purportedly, there were many witnesses of Jesus' miracles and teachings. Up to 500 witnesses regarding the resurrection story. But such witnesses are notably unreliable and were probably more so in the first century. It makes me think, why were the 500 witnesses who claimed to have been a part of the resurrection outcome, none of them were identified by their birth certificate names, by their government names, by their full names? That is suspicious to me. They had no cameras nor recorders, and further, were mostly literate, so they couldn't write down any notes. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to claim to be the Messiah, I'm going to provide unbeatable and undefeatable receipts of my messianic aura about myself. A-U-R-A. It was strictly memory. Some of what they thought they saw was mistaken and over time years perhaps the memories mutated became grander either deliberate by human nature i say it was a mixture of both and plus the atonement theology convinces people that they are a bunch of messiah assassins Okay, number two, the repeaters of the story. Many people did not directly witness any of these events, but were told about them by those who claimed that they did. Mm. So the Bible has a history of he says, he say, she say, they say. Mm-mm. Relying too much on word of mouth. That's exactly why many people end up slain in the streets. 
And it says, following the script of the iconic game of quote-unquote telephone, they mostly got the details mixed up and probably added much content to make the stories more tellable and exciting. So I see uh, T.D. Jakes talked about how even he says that the church is addicted to excitement. Mm. So when you have a prominent evangelical saying that, and he's he's considered the next Billy Graham, ooh, uh, I would say straighten up and fly right. Then it says, it is these people who are mostly used as sources by the original authors. Most of the eyewitnesses were dead by the time of the first gospel around 70 to 75 CE. So the FBI has a better understanding of evidence than the so-called eyewitnesses of Jesus. Mm. It says, number three, the authors. The people who wrote the Gospels had verbal information from the, re- from the repeaters, which was number two, that I read to you earlier, but also had an agenda that they wanted to express. For instance, the author of Mark was from Rome and wanted to present the story in a mostly pro-Roman fashion that would appeal to the pagans, while the author of Matthew was an observant Jew and wanted to make the point that Christians still needed to observe Jewish law. So each author distorted what he received from the repeaters to fit his own needs. Wow. So religion has been a political economic powerhouse based upon gossip, tyranny, cutthroat decisions so there's a lot of shystiness and shadiness that influences biblical revisions mm. and it says for the copies the scribes were responsible for copying the scriptures supposedly word for word And I think they failed miserably in my view. But of course, they made a lot of mistakes and in many cases deliberately changed, inserted, and deleted certain passages. As a result, we have multiple versions of the same scriptures, generally with no reliable means of determining which is the most accurate. So basically, from what I see, the Bible... is not the type of canon where all the answers to your life's questions are supplied in fact they're not I think that humans hijack the bible by first hijacking the concept of God Number five, the canonizers. Church leaders met in a series of conferences in the fourth century to determine which books should be considered part of the Bible. Notice God had nothing to do with that. This was mostly decided by popular vote. Notice God's verdict, God's edict, 
wasn't considered. Many books were rejected because they didn't present the message that the majority wanted to be promulgated. Some of the rejected books might have been more accurate and less and grandized than the ones that made it in. Nevertheless, the Canaanites the, the Canaanizers represented another filter, another filter between us and the truth. So what happened is, is that you can canonize bigotry. You can have that as one of the easiest ways to assault somebody. Canonizing a hard heart. Canonizing gibberish if you ask me. Then it says number six, the translators. Most of the original text was written in Greek, so it needed to be translated into modern languages. Much of this effort was done diligently. But even today, there are examples where modern translators make changes in the wording to remove contradictions or bring the story more in line with the modern understanding of the world. So, they want to fit into the world, even though they claim they shouldn't be doing that. But they clown other people for not fitting into the world like they do. So we claim worldliness, but we can churchify it because we're traditionalists for Jesus. Wow. Then it says it is through these six filters that we view Christian history. And it's more than certain that the truth did not survive the journey. I would say the full truth did not survive the whole journey. We are left with a book that has no more historical credibility than the Iliad and the Odyssey, which is factual. And then it says, You say God says, the following graphic lays bare a big problem that for some reason seems to pass off the heads of most religious Christians. You say torture is wrong. God says physical punishment cleanses away evil, according to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 30. You say slavery is wrong. God says you may have you may have male and female slaves, but buy them from the nations around you, according to Leviticus chapter 25, verse 44. You say punishment should fit the crime. God says these people go away into eternal punishment, according to Matthew chapter 25, verse 46. You say people shouldn't be murdered for working on the Sabbath. God says the Lord said to Moses, the man must die. The whole assembly must stone him outside the camp, according to Numbers chapter 15, verse 35. You say beating children is wrong. God says he who spares the rod hates his son, according to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. You say killing children is wrong. God says whoever hates 
hits his father and mother must be put to death. According to Exodus chapter 21, verse 14, you say the earth moves around through space. God says, God says he laid the earth upon its foundations and it shall not be removed forever. According to Psalms chapter 105, Psalms chapter 104, verse 5. You say it is wrong to sell your daughter. God says when a man sells his daughter as a slave, she will not be freed at the end of six years as the men are. According to Exodus chapter 21, verse 7. You say rape is a serious crime. God says he shall pay the girl's father 50 shekels of silver. He must marry the girl for he has violated her. He can never divorce her. According to Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 29. You say women are equal members of society. God says, I do not permit a woman to teach her to have authority over a man. She must be silent, according to First Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. You say you're responsible for only your own actions. God says, I am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation, according to Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. You say medicine can heal you. God says your faith has healed you, according to Matthew chapter 9, verse 22. You say Jesus came in peace. God says, I did not come to bring peace but a sword, according to Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. You say Jesus is pro-family. God says, for I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies will be the members of his own household, according to Matthew chapter 10, verse 35. You say that is in the Old Testament. God says, I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest details of God's love, God's law will disappear, according to Matthew chapter five verse eighteen. Religious Christians worship a God who disagrees with them on many crucial points, a God who is at odds with their beliefs, knowledge, and sense of what is right. This is not a trivial problem; it represents a towering logical disconnect. There's a massive industry of clergy trying to to keep the faithful from thinking about these man, about these matters. Christ, religious Christianity works best by keeping the congregation singing songs, reciting creeds, hearing carefully selected biblical verses, and for heaven's sake, making sure they don't apply critical thinking skills. It is a form of hypnosis, and most religious Christians are walking around in a fog. Once you get out of the fog, the truth hits you smack dab in the face. This is all true. Because people in religion, they tend to conflate hunky-dory with living in reality. They think la-la land is reality in the real world. It's fake to them. That's why they love Having more and more people leave their lives. They're addicted to a severe lack of redemption. And they can no longer blame other people. For their character defects. Now you understand more of my history of religious skepticism.
And I also want to say... Last thing I say about sex is that if I were to be a independent porn person, a independent contractor in porn, we're all requ- we were all required to be neighborly companions of each other, sexually speaking. And my last statement on religion that I get to organize crime is is that Christ's likeness is light likeness and religion is prison. to organize crime part and I'll yield for the episode. From what I can recall talk about Christ likeness I'm talking not about how the Bible writers defined it I'm simply talking about making reasonable accommodations even for people that are different than you in every which way that was that's my definition and lastly my being secular is my regular. Now let's get into the organized crime part. It is true that criminals violate the law because they belong to a unique subculture, the counterculture. Their values and norms conflicting with those of the working middle class working class, middle class, upper classes upon which criminal laws are based. I'm reading to you my actual forced upon experience when I was five years old. This subculture shares an alternative lifestyles, languages, and cultures and is generally typified by being tough, taking care of their own affairs, and rejecting government authority. Role models include drug dealers, thieves, and pimps as they have achieved success and wealth not otherwise available through socially provided opportunities and through modeling organized crime is a countercultural avenue to success that such organizations are sustained. Sadly, that's just how that's how a lot of people in the streets felt when I was five years old.
when I think about that world. They feel like they have to be criminal entrepreneurs, which are the patrons. And they exchange information with their clients in order to obtain their support. And then it gets worse. Clients include members of gangs, local and national politicians, government officials, and people engaged in legitimate business. I witness everything I'm reading to you. People in the network may not directly be a part of the core criminal organization, which sadly happens because each participant it was interested in furthering their own welfare. And I'll add, even if it meant warfare... So those are the rest of my time spent in organized crime. And the conclusion of all conclusions. I'll say that I'm into curvaceous, voluptuous, shapely women. I'm into beefy, brawny. burly men and I'm into non-binary adults who are who are curvy and hefty in terms of external outwardness 